Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, I think we all can agree that estimating repairs can be tricky, especially if you're new, right? So there's lots of different ways to go about determining your repair estimates. It can also vary depending on the location of the property, the type of property, uh, where the property is located. It can, it can vary based upon the exit strategy as well, right? So are you planning on wholesaling it? Are you going to fix and flip the property? Are you going to keep the property as a rental, right? So on and so forth. Estimating repairs is difficult. I struggle with it still to this day. And I think a lot of individuals that are getting into this business are really struggling to determine those repairs as well. I have a solution for you guys. Head on over to dpipodcast.com forward slash repairs. And I'll introduce you guys to the software that Mike and I use in our own business to help determine our repair estimates. Okay. DPIpodcast.com forward slash repairs. This software is amazing. You guys can get a 66% off uh, by going over and checking out that link to the software. Also, not only does it help estimate repairs, but it also will help generate a seller's net sheet which will help justify your offers. It'll actually generate a scope of work that you can actually give to a contractor in the event that you end up buying the property, but also a repair sheet that you can give directly to the seller. Last but not least, you can actually generate a contract based upon the repairs and the comps that the software will help you with all in one place. So head on over to dpipodcast.com forward slash repairs, and check out the software that Mike and I use in our own business to help determine those repairs because we all know it can be difficult. And if you screw up your repair cost or your ARV, one of those two numbers, the deal may not work. Check it out, dpipodcast.com forward slash repairs. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Your host, Mike Slane, today. Uh, today, we're talking about something I am very excited about, uh, and it meets or it fits in with our book that's coming out. We've got our new book, The Burr Method, coming out here. Uh, we just sent that off to the publisher, so we're super excited to get that out. And uh, one of the things involved in that Burr Method, when you're buying, renting, rehabbing, and refinancing those properties, is the renting and the property management. And today we've got Lawrence Jankelau on. Lawrence, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. Good, good, man. Thank you so much for joining me. So Lawrence put together a really cool tool that uh, we are playing around with and probably going to implement uh, in our properties uh, if, we, uh, if we can. It's called Avail, right? That's correct. Cool. So Lawrence, tell me a little bit about yourself and and how Avail came about and, and what, what it's all about, man. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I started off like uh, most people do, st you know, standard career, graduated college, 
um, went on to work at a consulting shop here where I live, which is in Chicago. Um, and yeah, we would go daily onto client sites and try to help improve their processes and so forth. And um, I was there for just over four and a half years, clocking in, clocking out, so to speak, left, joined Goldman Sachs. Um, I was there for just over two years doing data analytics for them. Um, and then just something clicked in me where I realized, you know what, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily want to be uh, doing this kind of day-to-day every single day uh, corporate America thing. So started investing in real estate um, to try to build up some passive income. I bought my first three flat uh, here in Chicago from a friend who I worked with at Goldman. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes into how real estate works and, and how you can use that to build passive income and try to get off that, um, you know, that kind of the rat race for the, the rat wheel, if you will. And, um, so it's been doing that, bought a second three flat shortly after. Um, I was still working at Goldman at the time, trying to manage the six units and, and work full time. And uh, my buddy was doing the same thing. And we would just go back and forth uh, sharing Excel spreadsheets with each other for our rent rolls or for our rental applications. We would make a rental application in Excel and merge the cells together, paint them a color, print it mm-hmm. out, and you'd hand it to a tenant and be like, fill this out. And something about it just didn't feel professional. It was taking a lot more time uh, than we wanted to do. And we had these full-time jobs. So we went out looking for software to help automate kind of all of the painful parts of being a landlord, including finding tenants and, and trying to publish a listing to Craigslist or something like that every single day to get it to the top or um, where do you get a credit report and how do you fill out rental applications? All those tedious things uh, were taking more time and, and were great. And there was no software available to us to help us. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Soft- yeah. Sorry. Go on. I was just going to say, yeah, it seems like uh, a lot of landlords, that's where we're at. That's where we're stuck uh, is dealing with a bunch of Excel spreadsheets um, and, you know, our hodgepodge or our lease that we, that we put together over so many years and, and just keep uh, editing. And, and then at the end of the year, we've got all these different documents and all these different receipts and our bank records that we then have to, uh, you know, bring to our accountants. And it's just, uh, it can be a mess. Uh, trying to figure out who's paid rent this month, who hasn't, uh, who do you need to be calling, all that stuff. Uh, can really be a challenge when you get, I mean, even six properties, right? I mean, it, it or six units as you, as you had over there. Um, you, you've got a lot to keep track of when you're working full time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Excel is a wonderful tool. You can do anything. It doesn't, but it doesn't mean you should. And so <laughs> that's when we started realizing, look, there's probably better ways to do it. You know, other landlords probably need access to this too. So we, we ended up quitting our jobs and, uh, set out to build software that would be designed specifically for the, the do-it-yourself landlord. Um, initially focused for landlords who have one unit, but now we've kind of grown that to uh, really focus on landlords between one and 50 units. So still um, the smaller landlord. And um, so we got yeah, started on that. That's perfect though. That's really where I feel like there's a huge uh, gap for individual investors. Cause some of the big guys um, you've got like Buildium and, and the, the likes of those, those are really tailored to, property managers or professional property managers who are managing multiple portfolios. So uh, one to 50 units is great. When do you recommend somebody start looking at, at playing around with Avail and using Avail as a tool in their, uh, in their tool belt? I mean, is it, is it the one property or two properties or should that, should that even be a consideration uh, before you get to five or six? Yeah. I mean, the sooner the better. I, I would even recommend trying to figure out what tool you're going to use before you buy that first property. Um, you know, real estate is interesting. You, you're hoping to go into it. You're hoping that you're not having to spend a lot of time managing it. And the 
best way to do that is by making sure you have a process and some automation. And if you know what that is going into it, then great. I'd say it's most valuable for a single unit landlord because um, that, that person is likely less professional, doesn't necessarily know what to do. And if you have a software that automates the process for you, it's typically going to bake in the right things to do at the right time. And then you can take that out of your head space a little bit. Um, so I'd recommend it for that. I, I, certainly it's useful for someone with nine or units as well, where um, you know the process at that point, but you just don't, you can't afford to spend the time um, like you used to be able to. So uh, super valuable, I'd say for anyone under 50 units. Okay. And then, so, so why, and I'm just, because I'm curious, why up to 50 units? Is there, is, is that where your software kind of caps out or is it just, uh, you know, at that point you really recommend getting a, somebody in to help you or what, what's the thought process? Yeah. You know, uh, this is part of the lessons learned when we, when we started a business to start up was trying to get to a niche audience because mm -hmm. it's hard to design something that's super great for everybody. If you try to do that, it's going to end up being really crappy. And so our niche was going to be the smaller landlord and the way smaller landlords view the world is different than someone with 500 units or a thousand units. Yeah. You know, I tend to think of those really large, large players with a thousand units they're probably not stuck so much in the day-to-day -day mentality. They probably have a full team supporting them doing a lot of the work. And what they're probably more focused on is the accounting. How do I continue to grow the portfolio? Um, whereas someone with 50 units, nine units, they may want to grow their portfolio, but they're, most of their time right now is probably stuck in just getting past this weekend where you have to do showings <laughs> and you want to go home and spend time with your family. Yeah, um, and that's exactly. And that's where we're at. I mean, again, I think that um, it, it's definitely where our target audience, I mean, most of our listeners, I think are, are getting into real estate, learning how to wholesale and then realizing that they don't want to be stuck wholesaling because wholesaling is a, is a full-time job for most people. And that's one of the things that we're uh, continuing in our education programs is teaching people to start acquiring rental properties right out of the gate, uh, using the Burr method. So it really can be, um, and again, I mean, just to say that, that, uh, under 50 units is, uh, you know, a small time, uh, that's really eye opening, hopefully for a lot of people to think like, wow, if you own 40 properties, like you're not, uh, that's not big fish. And it really is. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing to own 40 properties. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's really cool. Okay, good. So let me ask you this. And this one is kind of going off script here. I'm just kind of, kind of shooting from the hip. What's, what is avails? like strength or what, what, what are some of the, the things that landlords can use it for that uh, are really going to make it shine or make it a real integral tool for them? Sure. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, certainly not trying to just uh, plug a veil in, in general, but um, any software is meant and designed to help you get through the day faster and, um, and, and those kinds of things. Avail specifically, I think our core strength is, providing you the resource that you need without you having known that you needed it. So that's where I think it adds a lot of value to that, to the smaller landlord, one, five, 10 units, because a lot of those people, um, they're just getting started. They don't know what they need. They don't know what mm -hmm. they need. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. thinking leases, for instance, you, um, you need a state or city specific lease that's compliant with local ordinances that includes all the disclosures. And you might not know that to go even go to Google to get it. But if you're using a veil, uh, the second you add your property to our site, you're going to get um, you're going to get a document automatically that's for your city and state that includes all the disclosures you need. So, um, and that's true of the, the entire gambit. We help with the entire operational side of being that landlord. So, 
you may not know where to list a property to find tenants. Mm -hmm. um, with Avail, you're going to come to us, put it on Avail, but we're going to go send it to all the places that are relevant to send to, like Zillow or Trulia, PadMap or uh, Apartments.com. So you don't have to figure that out. Um, same thing with screening tenants. We had remember when we started, we saw a statistic that I think was in USA Today where 60% of landlords of this size just don't screen their tenants. They, they oh my just gosh. The first one who's willing. So Lawrence, you were talking about uh, how landlords in this space or smaller landlords, you said up to 60% of them don't even bother screening the tenants for their units. Is that right? Yeah. And you know, the problem is it's wow. not necessarily that they don't want to. I just don't think they know that they should or where to go. Um, they may think that getting a, access to an eviction report or credit report is outside of their capability. And so any software to help you manage your property is going to give you access to those. And I think where Avail's strength is, is we just provide it to you automatically and tell you when and why you should use it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So that is kind of the, the nuts and bolts. So, so Avail can do the screening for you. It provides you with a state and city specific lease. Um, what, what else does it do? I mean, you've got uh, rent collections. What about uh, like online payment? Does it do that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, that's so. fundamental to, to being, you know, you want to collect your rent. That's the fun part. So, okay. So then um, what about like notification, notifications for people who are late? Does it, uh, can you get it to send your tenants like an email or a text uh, or just send you a notification or how does the, how does that work or look? Yeah, all of those. So you yeah, normally, yeah, normally when you're setting up the lease, you, you'd set up, um, here's like the 12 months and here's 12 charges that I'm expecting. Potentially it's more if you include a security deposit or move-in fee. And those automatically get created in the system. So a tenant can log in each month to pay their rent or they can log in one time and set up auto pay. If they're late, they will get automatic email reminders. They can adjust those settings. The landlord can adjust those settings. Um, there's stuff in there because sometimes if a tenant is late, you want, to, you, you want to be consistent with how you treat that. So the system will automatically charge late fees. Um, it gives the landlord a way to maybe blame the system a little bit um, with the late fees and try to remove confrontation. I love that. Bit. I love that. We, uh, we were managing ourselves for a real long time. And once we crossed over that threshold, uh, we're close to around 100 units now. Uh, we, we had to have a property manager. I mean, kind of like you said, you do outgrow some of the systems and once we got there, it's nice because you can, you can blame, oh, the property manager. I'm sorry. Oh, it's the property man. And they blame us. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the owner. So being able to blame the system is pretty, pretty nice to be like, I'm sorry. It's just, yeah, it's already set up and it's from the lease. You know, we have to do it that way. So yeah, that's part nice. Of also, part of it is also a legal requirement too. So if, if you have more than one tenant, you really have to treat them all equally and fairly. Uh, otherwise you get um, fair housing violations. So if the tenant is late and you try to negotiate something there and you don't do it with a different tenant, then you could be setting yourself up for some sort of violation or lawsuit. So if you have a system like this, that's automated, um, it helps you keep in line and, and consistent. That's a great point, man. That's a really great point. Uh, okay. So what else uh, does the, does avail offer for people? We've got uh, one of my biggest headaches I would say with our properties is maintenance requests. What about uh, maintenance or tickets or tracking or stuff like that? And, and how can, how can avail help us? Yeah. To be fair, that's where we're the lightest probably. Okay. Now, we have a mate, we have a maintenance portal. Tenants will log in, submit maintenance tickets, um, helps with the transparency, um, helps keep them organized for the landlord, but we don't, 
uh, what we're missing in that area is then providing a resource to come and handle the maintenance, so the actual um, the fixing of whatever issue it is. Uh, I think that's where we're headed next with our software is well, how do you do a matchmaking with it yeah, or your existing one? Lawrence, I was going to say, man, I feel like that is a, that would be a huge service and a huge new obstacle for you guys to even try to provide. Um, I, I would almost, wow. I would almost recommend staying away from that one in, in just your software world. I mean, getting into the people world is where you're, you're going to really, oof. That, that would be an awesome tool, but my gosh, man, I feel like there's other yeah. programs out there maybe integrate with somebody else who's doing it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, it, there's a lot of different paths you could take for something like that, and um, we constantly think about it. I, I don't think we are going to hire contractors and maintenance people to fulfill those right, orders. Right. We, we would probably integrate We'd probably integrate with something like um, like Handy or SMS Assist or someone. Yeah, who, see, that would who, be awesome. Who that does, awesome. that's their business, yeah. Yeah, that'd be very cool. But again, I mean, just the fact that there's a portal for the tenants, though, it sounds like they log in, they can put in their maintenance issue means you're probably not getting the phone call in the middle of the night, right? So I mean, hopefully, centralize all that for you. Yeah, although to be fair, now that I've been a landlord for seven, eight years, I actually never once received a a 3am phone call. Um, (laughs) I know know every land, everyone's always scared to get into landlord. Like if you don't have any units, you always like the common excuse is, oh, I don't want to deal with toilet problems at three in the morning. Um, but I personally never had a 3 a.m. And I, and I think it's because my tenants are just asleep at that time. Yeah, well, and that's it. So it's tenants, toilets, and taxes, right? Those are the three, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the three yeah. problems that you, you want to avoid. And the toilet, uh, that call, 3 a.m. phone call, that is the one thing that deters a lot of people. And they, they aren't very common. They really aren't. But they do happen. I mean, again, there are emergencies. We've had... Uh, you know, fires, uh, one of our units has gone up, we've had, you know, stuff like that. It does happen, uh, but they're not, they're not that frequent. So don't let yeah. that scare you. And one of these things can even slow it down even more, you know, like, because Lawrence, like you said, you were working a, a day job. Uh, so a 3am phone call, yeah, that's annoying when you're asleep. But when you're working, you just, you can't necessarily deal with the tenants. So that's a whole yeah, that's actually, that's actually the, the probably the first point I've heard is, um, it's actually worse if it's during the day because 3 a.m. I, I have no obligation. I can just get up, go handle issue, and then go back to bed. But if it's in the middle of the day while I have my full-time job, it's not like I can just go to my boss and say, I'm, I'm leaving for the afternoon to go fix this. Um, it, it wouldn't be fair to my employer. So I, I think maintenance during the day is probably a harder thing to handle. The way I do those things now with my tenants is I'll usually um, let them organize uh, someone to come and fix the issue and then just pay for it uh, you know, or reimburse them um, and, and do it that way. And I, I leverage my tenants a lot. They're the ones who are, can be home or are home. So I, I try to work with them more directly in those situations. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's really important to do to keep that in mind. The tenants, uh, if you've got good ones and they're trained to just kind of let you know, hey, this broke and I got it fixed and here's this. I mean, that really does take care of 90% of the problem there. So yeah, there's a level of trust you have to have. Uh, with them, which is part of the, you know, how do you find them and screen them? Are you doing a good enough job so you can have that trust? Certainly is a requirement. Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about screening again, then, since you bring it up. So what do you do besides a a credit check and, uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, meeting them at the property and showing it to them? I mean, what's your screening process look like? Yeah. So uh, a good screen process for anyone, even if it's outside of software. Um, Now we do all of these. It's just in the process is the process, whether you use the software or not good process is to, you know, you, you want to start with where you're listing your property. You want to get pretty 
spread out, um, try to reach the most number of people. In general, I don't list to Craigslist anymore. Um, it just tends to be kind of a waste of my time because there's so many fake profiles on there. Um, I find that people are less qualified and so forth, but um, I'll otherwise spread it across Zillow, Trulia, Padmapper, Lovely, and try to get a reach. Um, Avail does that automatically. So with one of the units I'm listing now, I just listed it three days ago and I've already got 20 leads. Oof. So uh, it's, which is too many, honestly. Yeah. And so, so your next step there is once you've got a lot, you want to try to um, narrow that down to the people who are serious um, first. And so what I'll do is ask some pre-screening questions. Um, and I'll do that through our system. So you just type in some questions. We have some pre-canned ones if you don't know what to ask. Um, and I'll typically have them confirm that uh, who's living it. Is it them and the names of other people? Um, I'll like, have them acknowledge that there will be a full rental application, um, credit check and criminal check um, down the road. Um, I'll ask them about their pets. I'll ask them why they're moving, what their move date is. Oftentimes it's the wrong move date and you, you know, that's not a match. So you start with those pre-screening questions that might take you from 20 people to 10. Um, and then for those remaining 10, you send them a rental application to fill out, which would include rental histories, employment history, income verification, um, and some other things. And maybe like four out of 10 end up filling that out um, typically. And uh, from those four, they'd complete that. They'd then authorize the credit check, background check. Those all get returned instantly in our system. Um, I'd see those, and then um, I'd take the best one or the first that came and ask them if they want to move forward with the lease. They often do. And uh, so that's oh. really kind of the, the soup to nuts of that process. Okay, and so where in that do you show the property, though? Do you, make, do you require people to fill out your application prior to even showing the unit in person? Yeah, sorry. No, I... I blanked on telling you about that. Oh, step. no, you're so fine. Normally, I was just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. For normally that for most landlords, now this is where you, this is show the properties outside of the system normally. Um, so this sure. is where a landlord can kind of choose what they want to do. We have some landlords who require an application first. I don't, I don't normally recommend that. I like to do the showings before I have them do the application. I think it's a little more fair. It does take up more of my time. So I'll do the pre-screening questions to make sure they're serious. Um, and then I'll have them schedule a, sh a showing and, um, the way I do that now is I've got a block of available times that they can pick and that's through avail and they pick what time they want to come and then I'll, we'll meet at that time and I'll do the walkthrough with them. And honestly, the showing is a huge opportunity to screen um, because especially if you're going to want to build that trust and, and leverage the tenant to help with organizing maintenance stuff, you really want to focus in that showing on is this person trustworthy? Did, did they show up on time? Were they courteous? Were they, were they respectful? Um, and that gives you kind of the sense of, okay, down the road when our maintenance things, um, are, can, I, can I trust them to help handle it? Excellent. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it that people often forget. I mean, this is a people business. So when you are meeting uh, your potential tenant or tenants at the property, you are screening them right there. And that's a huge part of it. You can't do everything online. You can't, uh, you can't trust all of that stuff online. Those are just tools to help you. It really is about that connection and what your, your impression of that individual or individuals. I mean, you're the human here at the end of the day, figuring out what, what's the right thing. One of my favorite tips, and I got this from our current property manager, for screening individuals, and this is actually in our little book, uh, The Burr Method too, is look at the people's car when they pull up and how someone treats their vehicle is very often how they're going to treat your stuff. So again, if somebody looks like they've never cleaned their car, there's fast food wrappers everywhere. I mean, that's a pretty good indication of how they're going to treat 
the property as well. So that's one of my favorite little things. Do you have any kind of nuggets like that or what, what you look for when you're meeting people? Um, kind of tips on screening in person? Because these, these are just fun to me. I like hearing what yeah. people are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. For. We, we actually wrote an article, something called like the seven red flags to watch out for when doing a showing. And I, I, I wish I remembered all seven because it was one of the first pieces we wrote back oh, in no 2013. Yeah. One of them was we called out like McDonald's wrappers in their car. So yeah, totally, in, totally in line with what that property manager was saying. Um, another one that I look for is around shoes. Um, not like, are their shoes nice or anything? But when they enter the unit, do they ask, should I take my shoes off? Like if, wow. if, if, it, if it looks like you, sh like, so like oftentimes if it's, if it's one of the units where I don't like, I, the prior tenants don't want shoes, you'll see all the shoes by the door and um, you'll see that the tenant has, the, the, the existing tenant doesn't allow shoes. So will this new tenant kind of have the, the foresight to be like, oh, this, I want to be respectful to the person that's currently living here. Um, and ask if I should take my shoes off. So I think there's those kinds of things. Um, in today's age with the pandemic, I feel like, look, are they courteous enough to bring a mask or ask about a mask or wear a mask? Um, it's probably a new one that wouldn't have made our list in 2013, <laughs> but, here, but here we are. Um, I, I tend to think of what questions do they ask is relevant. You know, um, do, they, do they ask about where all the bars are and what kind of noise regulations do I have, uh, then they might be more of a partying, noisy, disruptive tenant. Um, or do they ask around like, where's, you, you gotta be careful too, in wake not to violate for housing, but if they ask where, where the parks are or what good food or restaurants on there, they tend to be a little more, um, uh, I, I don't wanna say restful, but more relaxed in how they're gonna live in the unit. Um, so there's, there's, there's a whole handful of, no, that's great. And, and that it, it, to me, it comes back to, uh, like thinking about a job interview. It, it really is. If you're going out and applying for a job and you're a candidate to be interviewed, your questions, I mean, that's really your opportunity to kind of impress, I mean, another opportunity to impress that person who's interviewing you. So it's the same thing. I mean, you just have to use that thought is like, you're the interviewer now. So really, what is this person interested in? That's, that's good. I like that. So what question? And to, and, and to be fair, it's also their opportunity to screen the landlord and the unit too. And they should take full advantage of that. Um, in, a, in a case where it is someone who wants to party and have their friends over all the time, they should get a sense that this isn't going to be the right place. This landlord's probably a little too uptight for me. Um, and they should know that and realize that and maybe not live there. Um, I definitely think like there's housing for though, for people who want to party and they, that's fine. I have, I price my units where I'm trying to avoid having to do a lot of maintenance. So I, I underprice it relative to the market, um, knowing that I want kind of more of a passive income and I don't really want to have to um, be out there handling disputes and issues all the time. And um, for landlords who are okay with that, who raise the rent a little bit because they realize there's going to be a lot more wear and tear, that's totally fine. It's, it's a good approach. So I think there is an element of the tenant also thinking about, is this the right property owner and screen that owner to some extent too. I like that. That's interesting. Our pricing models are very, very different. <laughs> we, uh, we always shoot for kind of top of the market rent uh, from our tenants just because we, again, I think it might be a slightly different market too, though. Are you, uh, we're, we're in St. Louis and we're mostly in the suburbs. Are you in um, Chicago, the city itself, or are you kind of outlying as well? Your units? Yeah, both, yeah, both the buildings I have are close to Wrigleyville. So it's in the city. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and I mean, 
for us, I think the way I've got it priced is under market, but we also shoot for um, what I would consider top caliber tenants. So we treat them very well. Um, both buildings, when we bought them, um, we did massive investments into them. We, we replaced the windows, even though those don't affect rent price and don't show appreciation as so much the property, but we felt obligated to because air quality is one of the best indicators of health and we thought that was important. So we, we definitely do those kinds of things and I think that helps us get top caliber tenants. We just also somewhat underprice them so that we don't have turnover. Um, we get tenants who are more respectful, um, are more excited about it, think it's more of like a too good to be true situation and then they just treat it better. Yeah, I was gonna say you're gonna have grateful tenants in that case. Mm -hmm. If you've got a really nice unit that's underpriced, yeah, that's a really good point. Your turnover definitely, I bet, is lower than ours. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. All right. So we're talking about, uh, we're kind of transitioning from screening. What about, uh, what does a landlord need to, to manage properties, I guess? Let's talk about some of the, the nuts and bolts of managing. We've already covered some of your strategies um, with the maintenance, which is really cool uh, to kind of let them do it and just let you know what's going on and bill you. I mean, keep you in the loop, but but do that. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest probably nuggets that I got out of our conversation today is huge. Um, what, what, what else are you doing or what, what kind of other tips do you have for, for a, a rental investor? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, for the management side of it, um, yeah. you know, you've got, you've got collecting the rent and you've got maintenance and then you've got kind of the taxes, as you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so if I think about each of those, you know, with the rent, uh, if you've done your screening, rent's going to be easy. Uh, there will be times where a tenant may face hardships. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of that. And uh, in that case, I think you, you just you have to realize there's a human element here. And um, we have to work with those with tenants generally. I think in the past, it's always been, um, you know, landlords may be stiffer on things. But uh, this environment, I feel like that has to change a little bit. And I know we're not, this isn't necessarily the conversation around the pandemic, but certainly that changes things a little bit when there's something going on in the world. But normally, if if the world was in a normal place, um, you know, you want to, the rent is the compensation for the work you do as a landlord. And oftentimes you have to use that to pay a mortgage or pay expenses. Um, expenses can be 40, 50% of the rent and the mortgage another 30, 40%. So landlords don't make that much money uh, on the property in general. So um, it's important to get that rent, get it on time and you know, pay off the expenses and, and treat the property and, and keep it up to speed. So when you get to the maintenance, I think the, the big thing there is um, being active on maintenance um, and encouraging tenants to, in my, in my opinion, um, mm -hmm. submit maintenance. Because oftentimes what will happen is if tenants don't submit small issues, those tend to grow. So I think of like leaking a small leak in a pipe, a tenant may not submit a maintenance request for that. And you let that small leak go for three months and all of a sudden the entire underside of the counter is filled with mold and maybe it's rotten wood. And now what was probably just tightening something for free is now probably a thousand dollars to fix. And so I tend to encourage tenants to submit maintenance. Um, I'll be the point to say like that's, I'll get to it when I get to it. Um, but off more often than not, um, you want to handle those things before they get larger. I think in the same vein of preventive maintenance, you know, change the air filters for them. They're never going to do it on their own. So you know, go in every quarter, change the air filters so that your HVAC system has a longer life. It gives you an opportunity also to inspect the unit quickly. Um, if you if you start doing those things, I change the light bulbs for them. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I 
in, in, in the way I do it is I'll try to put like uh, those 15 year LED bulbs in. So you do sure. it once okay. while you're on the property. Um, I just don't, some of the light bulbs, like I think are high and I don't want to get sued if they're trying to change one and they fall and then they're like, oh, my landlord was negligent. He should have known that these are more than six feet off the ground or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's all sorts of preventive maintenance that I think you can do that in the short term, it looks like you're spending a lot, but in the long term, save you a ton of time and money. And I think when you do those things, the tenants, again, don't have turnover. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think one of the things that I, I don't see many landlords do is go and change the furnace filters or the air filters. And we're very guilty of that. Uh, we do leave it up to the tenants, but we do get, we get clobbered uh, every year uh, when, when the systems kick over to the air conditioning. Uh, we get several calls that, hey, my AC is not working. And you know, there are a few of them where, I mean, we get charged, we'll send an HVAC tech out and we get charged a hundred dollars or so just to replace an air filter because their filters clogged. I mean, it's very simple stuff now. And other times, yeah, like you said, it, it's much harder on the system itself and does uh, cause property damage. I mean, by having a, a clogged filter, your system's working harder and it's going to uh, die sooner. So yeah, that's very good. Uh, it's not, not super uh, fun stuff to, to think about, but man, it really does pay off in the long term. And I'd say another one here, we're both in the Midwest is make sure your gutters aren't clogged. That's an easy one. Uh, once a year after the fall, you know, get some, send somebody out there to uh, get those leaves out and make sure your, your roof and the water is draining away from the property. It's a really good one. So. Yeah. We put, uh, we put some de-icing cables on the roof of both of our buildings mm-hmm. um, because we had, when we first bought it, we had an incident where uh, the snow built up and then it turned to ice and then that locked the roof. And then as it started melting it, it pooled up and it caused a, like a, a mini flood in one of the units. Oh, so, yeah, it's terrible. Um, yeah, for like $200, we installed de-icing cables. And if we had done that just, you know, a month earlier, we would have saved thousands of dollars in, in damage. And so now in both buildings, we've installed it, knowing that we just get a lot of snow. They got flat roofs in Chicago. So you, you, well, just, you have to think about it a little bit, like what your property's like and where it's at. So, and this is a, that, that brings me to another point is trimming the trees outside. Um, and it's, it was one of the examples we've used in the past as well is if you get that tree trimmed or if you get your de-icing cables up there, one, it's the thousands of dollars of damage that you prevent from the snow falling through or a, a tree falling on the property, but also that inconvenience to the tenant. I mean, just think about your life if a tree branch falls through your living room. I mean, my gosh, guys, that's such a huge inconvenience. I mean, all your stuff, I mean, you're worried about that on top of the fact the property has to be fixed. So yeah, it's uh, a little bit of uh, preventative maintenance is huge. So very good. That's, and that's why I like the air filter thing so much, because now I can go into each of the units once a quarter and I can just take a quick look around and see if anything looks broken or needs preventive maintenance. Um, you know, like oftentimes I can just run the sink and see if it's getting clogged and and fix that right there as opposed to waiting two weeks and having to come back. So um, I really, I, I appreciate that opportunity to go in and, and do a quick look around and even just not just to like try to check in on the damaging it, just to see other things that may cause more damage if I don't do something now. That's great. Okay. So we've covered uh, the, the tenant side. We've covered the maintenance side. Let's talk a little bit then about the tax side and uh, how avail can help us with that too. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, taxes, obviously, um, they're complicated. You know, part of the reason why we 
I'll become investors in real estate is for some of the tax shelter that it provides. Although depending where you're at, uh, that may get eaten away now by some of the, the, the limits that have been put on it. And also um, some of the, the real estate taxes we have to pay out as well, just keep going up. Yeah. It's getting crazy. Um, yeah. So uh, from avail, like the, this is another area that we're super light on that we're working to improve. And I, I see this coming in the next 12 months is more on the accounting and uh, expense and tax side. Right now, the, all we do is we provide um, a report on the income side. So we know the revenue, we know the fees that have got processed through the system because your tenants paid online. So we know all of that. We issue a report um, in January that's got the income side that you can plug into uh, whatever you're using for taxes, whether it's an accountant or TurboTax or something like that. Um, coming soon will be the expense side of that, uh, which we just don't have today, but we would want to. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, the expense side is difficult though, too. I mean, that's one that uh, is very, it's going to depend on how each landlord is doing their expenses. You're going to have to enter that info into avail if it's not, like you said, through your maintenance portal and, and stuff like that. So yeah, very good. Well, that's good. Again, it, it collects all that data, does summarize it for you at the end of the year, which is a huge obstacle for a lot of us do-it-yourselfers, especially when we're using Excel sheets. And I use that term kind of loosely because when I was using Excel sheets, I wouldn't use the Excel sheet until the end of the year. Uh, so I'd go back and have to figure out how much rent I collected and it's, it's not that much fun. So yeah, Avail is going to fix that problem for you, which is great. Uh, Lawrence, is there anything else you wanted to talk to our, our listeners about today? Um, I'm super excited to dive into Avail and maybe we can have you back sometime to do uh, maybe more of like a webinar style where we can kind of go in and play with the software. Uh, I'm sure some of our listeners would like that. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about today that we haven't uh, had a chance to discuss? Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly happy to do a webinar. I think it'd great. be great showing great. off the software. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of it. You know, when, uh, <laughs> when we started it, we actually couldn't find an engineer to build it for us. So um, and I'm a finance major, so uh, Ryan, my co-founder, and I, we actually just rolled up our sleeves and, and built it ourselves. So um, we, we tend to have a lot of pride in what we've built because we had to, you know, go in and figure it out. And learn it. So, yeah, that, awesome. Yeah, and learn it. So um, certainly happy to do a webinar. I, I think for any of your listeners, um, one other thing I would encourage is, uh, especially for those who don't have properties yet or maybe only have one, is just, you know, today's always a good day to get started and figure out how you're going to figure it out, whether it's buying your first place or it's trying to figure out how you're going to um, take what you do have and make it a little more robust. Um, I think people should start thinking about the real estate investments as a side business um, and not just necessarily a hobby. And if you can change that mindset, you start doing things that are going to help you maximize the revenue, maybe minimize some of the expenses. Um, think about tenants as customers. Um, and that business idea tends to push you in a direction that's going to make you a lot more successful. I love it, man. I love it. That is uh, one of the things we always kind of talk about with wholesaling too, is treat it like a business. It's not a hobby. It is a business. So same thing with your rentals, a hundred percent. By that point, you're buying a rental. I mean, somebody's living there guys. Like you can't, it's not a joke, right? I mean, this is where someone's living. You should be treating it like a business. So you can provide uh, a higher level of service and uh, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, Lawrence, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, appreciate you. And like I said, let's, uh, let's set up a time and we'll come back and do a, a webinar for people that want to want to see some of this software and play with it hands-on. Uh, they can check it out for themselves though at uh, it's www.avail.co.co uh, or you can find it on our podcast. So it's dpipodcast.com. 
Uh, you'll check out our toolkit and we'll have it down there as our property management software. We'll be, uh, we'll be pushing a for you guys as well. So you can find the links there. Uh, Lawrence, again, thank you so much, man. Great. Thank you for having me. This is a pleasure. All right. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.